Thanks for listening to this sermon podcast from Pleasant Hill Baptist Church in Somerset, Kentucky. Please make sure to visit us online at phbcsomerset.com. We started a new sermon series last week entitled An Honest Conversation with God. I'm really loving this minor prophet in the Old Testament, kind of an obscure guy named Habakkuk. Um, He's unique from all the other prophets in the Bible. All the other prophets in the Bible get a message from God to share with the people, and they usually give you an idea of what the situation was, what the message from God was, and how the people responded and all of that. But Habakkuk has an honest conversation with God. In this short little letter of three chapters, it is a dialogue between God and a prophet. And the prophet has some problems. He has some complaints. He doesn't understand why God is silent at the injustice he sees. And he's waiting, waiting, waiting to hear from God. And finally, when God answers his prayer, it's not what he expects. And it doesn't make sense at all. And so today's message is how do you respond when God does not make sense? I could have made a long list. I chose to limit it to three. But as I was thinking about this message, I wrote three things that do not make sense to me. I don't understand when babies and children die. Do you? I just don't understand it. Um, I don't understand when godly people get away with wrongdoing. They seem to do whatever they want, and they don't even get a slap on the wrist. They just seem to live as they please, and you just don't understand. You know, there's laws in society. There's laws in life. Ultimately, there's the laws of God. You just don't understand that. And of course, you know, thinking about the story of Job, I don't understand when godly people suffer, especially when godly people suffer for doing the right thing. You know, that happens uh, living in a fallen world. We'll see godly people suffer for not doing wrong, but doing right. Those are just a few things that I don't understand. And trust me when I say the longer I live, that list gets really long. I didn't want to overwhelm you or bore you. Uh, It's much longer than those three things. But those are three big things in life that I just don't understand. Uh, Years ago, James Dobson, who was the founder of Focus on the Family, wrote a book called When God Doesn't Make Sense. You remember that book? It was a very popular uh, book at the time. Uh, I sort of revisited that book this week, and there's a quote in the book. He's quoting the guy that wrote the foreword for him, Dr. R.T. Kendall. But here's what Dobson said, referencing R.T. Kendall. He says, in Dr. R.T. Kendall's opinion, 100% of believers eventually go through a period when God seems to let them down. And the operative word there is seems. In other words, we all go through a period when God seems to let us down. It may occur shortly after becoming a Christian. For instance, you may lose your job or a child becomes ill or a business goes backwards. Or maybe after serving God faithfully for many years, life suddenly starts to unravel. It makes no sense. It seems unfair. The natural reaction is to say, Lord, is this the way you treat your own? I thought you cared for me, but I was wrong. I can't love a God like that. That's the natural reaction. And yet he says this, it is a tragic misunderstanding. And that is so true. Just like the picture that Danny painted, 
There are times that God is holding us and he is weeping with us, but we don't see that because of the pain that we're experiencing at the time. It is a tragic misunderstanding when we feel like that God's silence means God's absence. I think we learned last week that that's not the case. Just because God is silent does not mean that he's absent. On the contrary, he's there. The Bible says he's always with us. He'll never leave us, nor will he forsake us. The Bible addresses this issue very plainly. In the book of Job, chapter 2, verse 9 and 10, and get the picture here. In, in, in Job, we know that Job in one day loses everything. He loses all his possessions, all his cattle, you know, flock and herds, all of that. Plus, he had ten kids and they all die in a tragic accident. And all that happens in one day. The news reaches Job in waves. One guy comes and says, hey, this happened and I'm the only one left. And while he's telling that, here comes another servant. And he says, hey, this happened and I'm the only one left. And it just comes in waves. It knocks him completely off his feet. I mean, he loses everything. And then if you're familiar with the story of Job, then there's round two. In other words, there's more. In Job chapter 2, we find out that now he loses his health. He's inflicted with all of these sores. He's lost all of his possessions. He's lost all ten of his kids. And now he's losing his health. And his wife says, are you still holding on to your integrity? Why don't you curse God and die? And in Job chapter 2 verse 10, he says, should we accept only good from God? and not adversity? That's the question, is it not? Should we only accept good from God and not adversity? And through all this, the Bible says, Job did not sin in what he said. In other words, the same God that we praise and thank because of all the good things he does, are we going to turn around and blame him when something goes you know, not our way, when we perceive it to be bad? Uh, we got to take the, the good with the adversity. I love what Philip Yancey said. Uh, he's a Christian writer, and he says this, I have learned that faith means trusting in advance what will only make sense in reverse. Now, let me say that again. I have learned that faith means trusting in advance what will only make sense in reverse. Now, you think about that. When you live by faith in Jesus Christ, you have to trust in advance that he says all things work together for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. All things will work together for our good. It never said that all things are good. It just says that all things work together for our good. That's the promise. God says, you know, I can take everything in your life, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and if you love me and follow me, I can allow all that to work out for your good because that's the kind of God we serve. But when we trust God in advance, we'll only understand it in reverse. There are some things we'll never understand in this life. And you know what? I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. The older I get, I'm coming to terms with that. I'm coming to peace with that. I don't have to know everything. I don't want to know everything and I know that who holds tomorrow, he has it in his hands. And quite frankly, that is enough for me. 
But what does the Bible say about this? You see, God answered Habakkuk's first complaint. Why are you silent about the injustice I see? And then God answers his prayer. God says, look if you will, there in uh, verse 6, Habakkuk 1, verse 6, he says, uh, or verse 5, he says, Look at the nations and observe. Be utterly astounded, for I'm doing something in your days that you will not believe when you hear about it. Look, I am raising up the Chaldeans. And that is another word for the Babylonians. And God goes on to say to his prophet, I am going to use them as an instrument of my judgment to discipline my people. And he said, what? Let me, let me say something that will probably hit you in the gut, but I'm saying it to get your attention and to put you in Habakkuk's state of mind. Imagine if radical terrorists suddenly took over our entire country and they implemented Sharia law. How would you feel about that? Now, imagine how Habakkuk felt when he was told out of all the nations in the country, the Babylonians, the most ruthless, merciless people on the planet, whatever they want, they get. They conquer kingdoms, they conquer nations, they conquer cities, and they just, they're very violent, they're mean, they're ruthless people. And God says, yeah, I could send the Boy Scouts, but I'm going to get the most ruthless people I can find, and they're going to teach you a lesson. You're like, what? No way. That doesn't make sense. Why in the world would you do that? Now you're, now you're getting into Habakkuk's mindset, how he would have taken this. This is a thousand times worse than the worst medicine you ever had to take as a kid. You know that stuff that's good for you, but you don't want to take it. It smells bad. It tastes bad. And you you do this, you take it, and it's a thousand times worse than that. And this is the spiritual medicine that God is doling out to his prophet and his people. And notice Habakkuk's immediate response there in verse 12. He says, Are you not from eternity, Lord my God? My Holy One, you will not die. Lord, you appointed them to execute judgment. My rock, you destined them to punish us. Your eyes are too pure to look on evil, and you cannot tolerate wrongdoing. So why do you tolerate those who are treacherous? Why are you silent while one who is wicked swallows up one who is more righteous than himself? You have made mankind like the fish of the sea, like marine creatures that have no ruler. The Chaldeans pull them all up with a hook catch them in their dragnet and gather them in their fishing net. That is why they are glad and rejoice. That is why they sacrifice to their dragnet and burn incense to their fishing net. For by these things their portion is rich and their food plentiful. Will they therefore empty their net and continually slaughter nations without mercy? In this response, Habakkuk raises four questions. In verse 12 he says, Are you not from eternity, Lord my God? In verse 13, he says, why do you tolerate those who are treacherous? He also says, why are you silent while one who is wicked swallows up one who is more righteous than himself? And then in verse 17, he says, will they therefore empty their net and continually slaughter nations without mercy? In other words, here's what Habakkuk is saying. He's saying, God, why are you letting this happen? When will it end? And how much longer, God, have you ever been there? Maybe you're praying and all of a sudden, you know, after you prayed and you prayed and you wait and you pray and you wait, finally God answers and it's not the answer you expect. Matter of fact, 
forget it not being the answer you expect. It's not even the answer you want. Nobody wants that answer. Nobody wants that option. And then immediately you pivot and you go, God, why? God, when? God, how much longer? That's Habakkuk. What do you do when God doesn't make sense? Well, Habakkuk tells God how he feels. And then in chapter 2, verse 1, he says, I will stand at my guard post and station myself on the lookout tower. I will watch to see what he'll say to me and what I should reply about my complaint. In other words, he stands up and says, this is how I feel. It ain't right, God. I don't agree with it. I don't like it. And I'm waiting and I'm watching. What are you going to say? What do you got to say for yourself? That's Habakkuk's posture. And then God answers again. And that's what's beautiful about this book is this honest conversation between a prophet and his God. In Habakkuk 2, verse 2, the Lord answered me, Write down this vision. Clearly inscribe it on tablets so one may easily read it. For the vision is yet for the appointed time. It testifies about the end and will not lie. Though it delays, wait for it, since it will certainly come and not be late. Look, his ego, referring to the Babylonians, is inflated. He is without integrity, but the righteous one will live by his faith. Moreover, wine betrays. An arrogant man is never at rest. He enlarges his appetite like Sheol, and like death he is never satisfied. He gathers all the nations to himself. He collects all the people for himself. In other words, God's answer is simply this. I'm going to give you a vision. I want you to see what I see. This vision is for an appointed time. It's not now, it's later. It testifies about the end, and it will be true. It will not lie. I want you to wait for it. And so all that means is this. Live by faith. Live by faith. Ultimately, when we live by faith, we're not depending on what we can see. We're trusting one who we can't see. And that's so hard for people in this world. How do you follow a God you can't see? How do you trust a God you can't touch? What do you do? How do you respond when God doesn't make sense? Well, I love verse 4 there. He says, the righteous one will live by his faith. And this tiny little verse, Habakkuk 2.4, that second part, the righteous will live by faith, that's quoted in three different books of the New Testament. It's a staple of a verse. But the question remains, how do you respond when God doesn't make sense? I want to give you three things you can do. It won't solve your problem, but maybe it will help you as you go through your problem. Uh, number one is this, appeal to God's character. Look at what Habakkuk did. When you look at this honest conversation that Habakkuk had with God, as soon as he hears the answer from God, it hits him. I mean, it hits him hard. He doesn't like the answer. He didn't, he didn't see it coming. He didn't expect it. He don't agree with it. But he immediately appeals to God's character. God, are you not from eternity? Oh, holy one. Oh, my rock. And then he says in verse 13, your eyes are too pure to look on evil and you cannot tolerate wrongdoing. 
So why are you tolerating this? And why are you using a wicked people to judge those who are more righteous than themselves? It makes no sense, but he appeals to God's character. You and I, when we wrestle with God, when we don't understand his silence, and when we clearly don't understand why did this happen? It makes no sense. Like I said, the older I, I get, the longer I live, there is a long list of things that doesn't make sense. When I was younger, I felt the need to, kind of like Peter on the mountain with the other two, Peter, James, and John, and, and Jesus, and all of a sudden they see Jesus talking to Moses and talking to Elijah, and, and Peter's one of those guys, he feels like somebody's got to say something. He doesn't know what to say, but hey, I might as well say something. And he's like, Lord, it's good for us to be here. Why don't we build a temple or, or a tabernacle? One for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. And all of a sudden, a voice from heaven basically says, this is my son, listen to him. Or to put it in a less dignified way, the audible voice from God says, be quiet. Look at him and listen. In other words, you and I need to realize that we can come to God we don't always have to explain everything. We don't always have to figure things out. We can trust God, and we can come to God. We can tell Him completely how we feel. When I talk to people and they say they're mad at God, I'm like, well, I'm glad you're honest. Can you tell Him how you feel? Because He's a big God. He can handle it. Tell Him how you feel. Pour out your heart to God. But more than that, don't just vent. Appeal to God's character. Appeal to God's character. That's what Habakkuk did. God, I know that you're from eternity. I know you're the Holy One. Lord, I know you are the rock. And I know that your eyes are too pure to look on evil. Why are you doing this? What's going on? Why are you allowing this to happen? I don't understand. But if you appeal to God's character, let me tell you something. That is something that is consistent. The Bible goes on record. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The Bible says, I, the Lord, change not. When you appeal to God's character, you are trusting in the one that you may not see, you may not understand, but when you see his heart, when you see how much he loves you, when you see how great lengths he came to send his son to die on the cross for your sin, when you realize how he has intervened in history to speak to us and to show us and to do this great work on our behalf, offering salvation to anyone who comes to him, then we can appeal to God's character. Not only do we need to appeal to God's character, but the second thing we need to do is wait for him to speak. I'm convinced sometimes we just need to linger at the throne until we actually hear from God. You know, we were talking about that in Sunday school this morning. It is real easy. It's real easy. We, we know what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to read our Bibles and pray each day. And it's real easy to have, and I, I confess this to my class this morning, it's real easy to have the check-the-box mindset. You get up, you have a few quiet minutes, you pray, you read your Bible, you close the book, and you check the box. Hey, I, I did that today. I got it done. Now I've got to get busy. I've got a lot of things to do. And what I compared it to was this. Think of two different kinds of lunches. Think of one lunch where you're in a hurry, you don't have a lot of time, 
you're going to go eat fast food with a friend. You get in there, you wait a long time, you finally get your food, you hurry up and eat it, and you get out of the way because there's a whole bunch more people waiting for you to move so they can eat too. And then imagine going to a place where there's no rush, and you sit down and you order your meal and you have a conversation, and then the meal comes and the food's good, but the conversation's better. And then long after the last bite is ate, the conversation continues until finally you're like, hey, i got to go. Wouldn't it be great if that described your quiet time with God? Instead of just saying, oh, I've got to read my Bible, I've got to pray. Uh, Lord, speak to me today, read a few verses. Okay, yeah, good, all right, that, man, that was good. All right, yeah, got to go. Linger, linger in His presence. Linger before your open Bible. Linger in prayer. Wait for Him to speak. When you and I appeal to God's character, when we wait for Him to speak, we are positioning ourselves to say, Lord, I don't understand this. Lord, I may not even like or agree about this, but Lord, I am trusting You, and I'm waiting on You. And so you appeal to His character. You wait for Him to speak. And the third thing, and this is important, remember that God will judge everyone at the end of history. Now, there in Habakkuk 2, Verse 2, in the second answer that God gave Habakkuk, he said, write this vision down. I want it on, on, clearly inscribed on tablets so somebody can easily read it. And here's the vision. It's for a appointed time. It's about the end of time. And though it delays, wait for it, because it will certainly come to pass and it won't be late. Can I tell you, I know I'm not telling you anything you don't already know, But when we live in this fallen world, when we see the effects of sin all around us, when we don't understand what's happening in our lives, it doesn't make sense. Please remember there's a God in heaven. He is on the throne. And he says, payday is coming someday. And it's coming for every person All this injustice that you see right now, one day, someday, every wrong will be made right. Every person will be held accountable to God. It is going to happen. It will happen. It's an appointed time, death and then judgment. It's about the end of time, and it won't lie. It might delay, but listen... Wait for it, because the day and the time will come, and it won't be late. When I was thinking about all of this and processing this this week, I came up with a little, I guess you would call it a trustworthy saying. It goes like this. Believe that what God says is true, and that what God says He will do. Think about that. Believe what God says is true, and what He says He will do. He really will. He will do what He says. God's timetable is different than ours. God's clock is a lot different from mine. There are times I'm like, God, how much longer? How much longer? And that doesn't phase Him one bit. But He's still God. He's still in control. And I have learned that I can trust Him. I can trust Him. And it's my prayer that you will have the same conclusion. Even Job, this righteous man who lost everything, 
including his health, said, Shall we receive good from God only and not adversity? You and I are going to experience trials in this life. We're going to experience troubles in this life. We're all going to have our fair share because there's plenty to go around. And when you have to take that medicine that you never asked for, it doesn't taste good, you don't like it, you don't want any part of it, how will you respond to God when He doesn't make sense? I know that uh, Danny had a song he sung in college. When you can't trace his hand, trust his heart. Remember that? That song encapsulizes what I'm trying to say today. When you can't trace God's hand, you're looking. God, where are you? I, I don't see you. I, 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 I feel like I'm out here all by myself. I'm all alone. I don't understand what you're doing. I don't understand what's going on. I can't see your fingerprints anywhere. Where are you? When you can't trace his hand, trust his hand heart he is a god that loves you and he has proved it when he sent his son to die on the cross for your sins and when you settle that then you're okay with living by faith the righteous one there in verse 4 will live by his faith we live by faith and not by sight warren wearsby said it this way we don't live by explanations. We live by promises. Man, that is so true. Why? Because there'll be things in our life that happen that don't make sense, and we'll ask why, why, why. And if we're really honest, if we're intellectually honest, even if somebody came up to us and gave us a compelling reason, it wouldn't make a bit of difference because it doesn't change what's happened. But when God comes and He speaks to us through His Word, He gives us a promise. I'll be with you. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I will guide you. I will lead you. I will protect you. I will provide. I will love you. I will heal you. I will restore you. I will do all these things if you'll just trust me. Are you willing to trust Him? Are you willing to trust His heart even when you can't trace His hand? I don't know about you, but I'm encouraged. Habakkuk didn't sugarcoat anything. He told God exactly how he felt. But he says, you know, when God spoke and I sorted it all out, my problem didn't change. God's agenda is still moving forward, and I'm learning to live by faith. I'm learning to live by faith. And that's what it's all about, is trusting God each and every day and learning to live by faith no matter what happens proverbs says it another way trust in the lord with all your heart lean not on your own understanding in all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path he'll make it straight that's a promise from god you you're not ever going to figure it out there are things in my life i don't understand and when i go to god and i ask why i don't get the answer I'm probably never going to go know on this side of heaven. And quite frankly, I've concluded that whether I get the answer on the other side at that point won't make a bit of difference because at that point, I'll be with Jesus. And that's all that will matter. What about you today? What do you do when God doesn't make sense? It's my prayer that you'll learn to live by faith. You'll trust God's heart 
even when you can't trace your sin. Let's all stand. Musicians, if you would come. We're going to have a time of invitation. We're going to have a time to respond to God. If you've never took that first step, let me tell you something. There in his answer uh, in the first chapter, he said, Habakkuk, I'm going to do something that you wouldn't believe even if I told you. You just wouldn't believe it. Now, that's kind of amazing. And then when you see what God told him, <laughs> you'll find out that that's true. I mean, who would have thought that he would have done that? And yet, when you go to the book of Acts and you read how Paul is um, preaching, he begins to say the same thing, and he quotes that verse in Habakkuk 1. Uh, he begins to share the gospel with these people on a mission trip. And he says this, he says, Therefore, let it be known to you, brothers and sisters, that through this man forgiveness of sins is being proclaimed to you. That man is Jesus Christ. And everyone who believes is justified through him from everything that you could not be justified from through the law of Moses. So beware that what is said in the prophets does not happen to you. Look, you scoffers, marvel and vanish away because I am doing a work in your days, a work that you will never believe even if someone were to explain it to you. You see, Paul the Apostle, he read that letter that Habakkuk wrote, and when he shared the gospel with people who had never heard it, he said, I want to tell you something. There's a man named Jesus. He came, he lived, he died, he rose again. He lived the life that you and I should have lived. He died the death that you and I deserve. And God raised him from the dead because he's the Son of God. And he offers eternal life to anyone who's willing to come and trust and follow him. Leave your life of sin behind. Come and trust and follow Jesus. And he says, hey, don't let it happen to you what God told Habakkuk. I'm doing something that even if I told you, you'd never believe. Can I tell you that's the ultimate meaning of that verse? God invaded our world. He loves you and I so much. He sent His Son to die on the cross for our sins. When we look at life and we don't understand why, it doesn't make sense and we feel like we're all alone and then we're dealing with our sin and we're dealing with the effects of sin and we're, we're broken, God says, I've got the ultimate solution. I'm going to tell you, you may not believe it, but it's still true. Maybe today you need to take that first step of faith. If you've never, if you've never dealt with you and God, the ultimate honest conversation between you and God is when you realize that you need Him and He has done everything for you to come to Him. Would you be willing to come today? That's what this invitation is for. Maybe you need to follow the Lord in believer's baptism. You've already been saved and you want to go public with your faith. Maybe you feel led to join the church. Maybe you want to get involved more in having a quiet time with God and lingering in His presence. Whatever it is that God is speaking to you about, it's my prayer that you'll say yes, Lord. Thanks for listening to this sermon podcast from Pleasant Hill Baptist Church. To learn more about the church, find out meeting times, or learn how to contact the pastor, please visit phbcsummerset.com.